welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for insightful analysis and enlightening discussions. I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us today. Well, today we're going to talk about a big subject around the country, and that is the U.S. office market. We're going to look at uh, property fundamentals and see what happened in 2014 and what to expect moving forward in 2015. We're also going to look at some office use strategies, and we're going to look at the investment market. Please welcome my first guest, Walter Page. He's Director of Research with the CoStar Portfolio Strategies Group. Walter, thanks for joining us here in Studio One today. Thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And like we said, hey, let's look at 2014. It seems like the office market has has really improved, at least in, in most markets. What really happened in 2014? You know, I think 2014 and 2015 are going to go down as probably some of the best years in this real estate cycle for the office market. The last quarter in particular was exceptional. Uh, we hit 33 million square feet of net absorption nationwide and 91 million square feet for the year. That's a 40% increase from a year earlier. So that is just uh, exceptional. Uh, and we think that it can continue in 2015. Uh, it, in addition to that, we had 3.7% uh, rent growth compared to 3.1% rent growth the year before. Completion activity was not that significant, about half of the net absorption, about 47 million square feet, up 9% from the year before. So vacancies fell by a very significant 11 to 11.3%, 70 basis point decline, the largest of this uh, cycle. So clearly, this was a very, very good year, and I think we're set for an excellent next year in 2015. Well, that's fantastic news. And you said that a lot of that absorption uh, was absorbing vacant space, so new construction levels are uh, still uh, pretty low? So new construction activity is up to 107 million square feet. So we've had over a 30% increase in new construction in process. So. Clearly, the improved fundamentals are now driving some construction activity. Uh, the construction activity is focused to about a third of the markets. The markets that have had uh, significant uh, rental gains. So markets like San Francisco, we've had a 60% rental gain, has construction. Uh, San Jose, significant construction. Uh, but we're seeing this spreading to other markets across the country. But in contrast, there's markets like Atlanta, uh, Florida, uh, even Phoenix, and parts of Southern California. We haven't seen significant construction yet. So these construction levels that you're seeing right now, how do they compare to, say, pre-recession levels? So the construction level today of 107 million square feet is very similar to the long-term average of uh, 122 million square feet all right so it's pretty close to normal obviously not as high as what it was in past periods in this part of the market cycle but I would consider it kind of normal yeah okay and what about for the classes of properties I know in our uh, market here in Atlanta you know the class A properties seem to be doing really well but C is really struggling uh, around the country what do you see for the recovery for the different classes of properties so Tenants want nice space. Let's be, let's be frank. Uh, nice space, the demand for nice space is double the demand for not-so-nice space. Now, we define nice space as four- and five-star space, similar class A. 
Uh, net absorption of that was about 2% of stock, double of uh, the remaining portion of the marketplace. So that, that's the, the big trend within the classes that we see. Okay. And so the uh, occupancy levels, I guess, um, show that, right? They illustrate that the, the occupancy is a lot stronger in the A. Well, not necessarily. Uh, the occupancy is, it depends. If you've had a lot of construction in that segment, uh, you tend to build that nice space, then you have uh, occupancy issues. However, what we're finding across the markets is that that uh, that new space is leased up. You know, take uh, Buckhead here in Atlanta or many other markets that uh, 19 or 2008 and beyond uh, construction space has now leased up. So there's more of a leveling of the playing field in terms of vacancy rates across the classes than there has been in recent years. Yeah, and it's nice to see employment gains uh, strengthening, right? And um, so how is that impacting uh, the office market? And is it impacting CBD uh, differently than it's impacting suburban office? So we've had consistent gains of over 200,000 new jobs um, per month. And uh, it is clearly impacting the office market. Uh, in particular, if you want to talk about CBDs, the demand growth has been really strong in the markets that we call uh, with significant uh, CBD rent premiums and infrastructure. Those are the markets that have public transportation. So you take a Boston, a New York, a Washington, Chicago, or San Francisco, and you can see that tenants are actually moving from suburban markets to the CBDs, and they have very tight vacancy numbers and strong absorption. In markets like Atlanta, uh, Phoenix, Dallas, many of the southern markets where the CBDs do not have these huge rent premiums uh, that this, over the suburbs, it is more of a, a level playing field. Uh, in fact, uh, suburban Houston did really well this past year, over 4.7 uh, million square feet of net absorption, representing a pretty uh, significant number uh, for that market. Well, that's interesting, and especially with oil prices, what they're doing. So, you know, what do you expect? Uh, you said you expect the, the robust growth to continue, but I guess the fourth quarter was really strong. Uh, we have things like uh, oil prices plummeting. What do you expect in, in markets like Houston and, and around the U.S. Uh, for growth next year? Okay, so for we might have uh, borrowed a little bit from 2014 for 2015, but our view is that we probably are going to do very similar in 2015. Uh, the, the cut in energy prices by 50% is clearly going to have a negative impact upon Houston, uh, Oklahoma City and New Orleans. Uh, we do not necessarily see that impacting other markets that have some energy dependence such as uh, Dallas or Denver. Uh, and then for most other markets it's a big it's a benefit of significant proportion uh, because you know two dollar gas uh, is money in the pockets of consumers and, and businesses so it's, it should be good. Yeah, you know, and, and still, I guess I'm showing my age, but two dollars a gallon still sounds high. <laughs> you know, I don't, 
I don't know if it can go much lower, but uh, I wish it would. Well, what are some other factors, uh, Walter, that are impacting uh, this growth? I mean, that fourth quarter is pretty strong. Are, are companies uh, really growing and, and investing and spending some of that capital that they've been hoarding? Does, does the economy, just everyone feel that good? Is that what's creating the jobs and the office growth? So the office growth, the improvement, I think, is less headwinds for the office sector uh, than they've had in the past. So while the job numbers are great, uh, what's also important is we don't have that shadow supply. That's that vacant space within tenant spaces left over from the last recession. That's pretty much gone. So tenants have renewed and they've probably had to expand. And we're also seeing the, the shrinking footprint. Uh, that's the space per job, uh, which had declined by Uh, 15% in the last 12 years. So that's like going from 250 square feet to 220 square feet per job. Uh, It appears to be slowing. So it was declining at a 2% clip. It's it's slowing to a 1% rate of decline. Our our view is that you can only take uh, the library out of the legal office once. (laughs) And so I think that may be uh, hitting here. And we see companies such as Yahoo saying you have to work at home now. So that may be driving it, too. Well, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I think, too, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, in that regard to uh, square footage per employer per job as the job market strengthens, right? So, you know, maybe you could put me on a bench uh, with headsets and a bunch of folks when I was just glad to have my job, right? But but when it comes to retention and recruiting, I don't know. I think some of these companies may come back. I know uh, a lot of our friends in the industry have gone to open floor plans and things, and, and we've kind of gone the other way and said, look, you know, let's, let's do private offices on glass. Let's do private offices and see if that helps with re- retention, see if it helps with recruiting. It's been interesting to see what moves forward in uh, 2015 and 16, and, you know, also I, I think some of the productivity some of the health issues. I I personally think some of that that could backfire. But uh, uh, well, we're with Walter Page here with the CoStar Group. We're in Studio One in Atlanta, and we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to talk about the investment market, cap rates, see what happened in 2014, and what's going to happen in 2015. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking about the U.S. office market. We have Walter Page here in Studio One with us with CoStar Portfolio Strategies. I'm used to calling it CoStar Group, right? Um, well, Walter, let's talk about the, the investment market. Uh, what did you see in 2014 for, for sales volume? It seems like uh, it was pretty active in our shop, uh, a lot of investors uh, looking at the office market. So uh, real estate office sales volumes totaled uh, just over $100 billion in uh, 2014. That's up about 5% uh, from 2013. Now. That number will probably rise as more uh, data comes in. The interesting thing about this is if you compare it to 2007, we had $140 billion. But in 2007, we also had a $39 billion single transaction, the sale of equity office where I used to work. Now, if you exclude that, 
sale, we are back to 2007 and 2006 levels of um, property sales without any uh, ginormous property transactions such as an equity office. So clearly the capital is flowing to uh, commercial real estate and in particular office. Uh, by the way, office is up more than any other property type in terms of sales volumes uh, for the year. So there's a bigger increase in office than any, anything else? Yes. So, Well, what's attracting the invest, investors to office? Is it the lack of new construction? Is it the job growth or is it a combination? It's a late cycle play. Uh, office has longer lease terms than other property types. And uh, people perceive that there's more upside in rents and occupancy for the office sector. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, we're talking about people working at home and, you know, shrinking uh, square footage per employee. And uh, uh, you were, what, what you were telling us about uh, Yahoo and, and what they're doing? So Yahoo, um, the shrinking footprint is, is a trend that we see across the country. Mm-hmm. But in the case of Yahoo, they've said, you know, you've you got to start working it. Instead of at home, you have to come into the office. Uh, so we, we do clearly see signs that that shrinking footprint is probably uh, the days are numbered. Right. And then, then you see people you didn't know work there, right? That's right. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> well, what about cap rates in, in 2014? So if the volume is picked up, I assume this cap rates, uh, did they trend? Uh, they compress some more in 2014? or? Well, okay, so first thing, we're back to 2% uh, 10-year Treasury rates, and cap rates sort of relate to the 10-year Treasury rate. For the most part, we have seen very stable cap rates uh, on a national basis. However, when you look at it, uh, there is some compression, and the compression is occurring mainly in the second tier um, and tertiary markets. So, you know, this those primary markets like New York uh, and San Francisco really were priced to perfection. And so uh, that spread is narrowing between those. Yeah. So that perfection was what down to four or five? Uh, so the perfection, yes. Uh, the average cap rate on an institutional basis coming out of San Francisco and New York was in the 5% range. And we had some uh, transactions that were, you know, sub four. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably had some value add component or something like that to it, right. but uh, exceptional. Right, and then you're, <laughs> and then you're seeing the the big uh, value increases though in the secondary markets, and uh, so so you've seen a, a big cap rate change there. What would be an example? So uh, you take an Atlanta, you take a Philadelphia, Phoenix, uh, you can still get a seven cap rate on uh, institutional property. Uh, and and we would look for that spread between uh, the uh, Atlantas and the New Yorks to continue to narrow uh, over the next year. Okay. Well, that bodes well to to invest in these secondary markets. What are some other uh, secondary markets where you expect to see cap rates uh, improve? I guess improve if you're the owner. <laughs> Decrease. Well, I mean. The other way of getting the uh, improvement is by doing a value-add strategy. Uh, and so what you can do is you, you increase your uh, NOI stream uh, by either leasing up a property or uh, leasing it up and fixing it such that you uh, raise the rents and things like that. So what we are seeing is a, a number of uh, investors uh, actively soliciting these. and 
reskinning buildings or putting new lobbies in, new bathrooms. And uh, in this environment where we have declining vacancy rates and a flight to quality, they, they uh, are also doing very well. And they're um, rewarded with excellent prices upon exit. Yeah, that's a good point. We see that good bit too, where we take we see people taking a, a B and 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 bringing it more into an A status, or maybe when you guys maybe a four star to a five star, right? Increasing rents, but but let's take that out of uh, out of the uh, equation and and just look at uh, stable uh, properties. What do you expect cap rates to do in some of the various classes throughout the U.S. for office properties next year, especially in the light of maybe a slight up uh, tick in, in interest rates? Well, while there's this concern for a slight uptick in interest rates, when you look at the 10-year Treasury uh, futures market, it's expected that we're going to be in a long-term period of low interest rates. The 10-year futures currently says that we're not going to go above three in the next uh, three or four years. Uh, what that means is it's probably going to be pretty stable. So it's kind of be boring on the on the cap rate front. <laughs> I don't know. I'm over here doing the Snoopy dance. You know, I don't think that's boring. We keep uh, rates low. I think uh, that's advantageous for at least uh, brokers like us. They're out here uh, doing transactions, right? Um, so you expect uh, volume to to what do you expect volume to do next year? So so volume should be good. Okay. Uh, we had the likes of Calpers announced that they're going to stop investing in hedge funds. And they're going to invest more in real estate. In fact, they're expecting to invest 27% more in real estate. And when you have billions of, of already, and you're going to add billions to that, that's, that's real numbers. Uh, and we, we also see, uh, relative to the world, the U.S. is a relatively cheap place in terms or good returns and safer returns. And so... We expect that this year we'll continue to have uh, very solid uh, investment volumes um, on the magnitude of what we've had over this past year, maybe even better. One of the things that I, I like that you guys do, and you do a lot of great things, but one is the repeat sales index, right? What do you see there for office properties, for properties that are trading again? So the repeat sales index uh, hit a milestone. Uh, we're back to 2007 prices on a nationwide basis now. Now, obviously, in some markets, this varies. In San Francisco, uh, prices are 50 to 70% over um, the 2007 uh, prices. But in other markets where housing distress markets and things like that, they're still below. Uh, over the past year, the repeat sales increased by 5%. The year before, it was 13%. So uh, that clearly indicates that the cap rate trend is not compressing nearly as fast as what it was before from that data. But still very healthy. But healthy. Walter, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being in Studio One. Thank you. And uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more on the office market. We'll look at some uh, tenant strategies and some landlord leasing strategies. Have a lot more for you. And uh, be sure to catch a show of special interest to you. Sign up for a once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Florida International University. 
With FIU's Fast Track system, you can earn your master's in real estate in just 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com to learn more. That's FIUonline.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking about the U.S. office market. Please welcome my next guest. It's James Cook. James is National Director of Analytics with Excelligent. James, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here, Michael. Well, we appreciate uh, you joining us on uh, Skype today. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that I think a lot of people have uh, about the uh, office market and what's going on and what we expect to happen moving forward is how closely related really is unemployment and employment gains to the office market? We're seeing, you know, great uh, gains in uh, employment. And how does it correlate to the office market? Yeah, that's a great question. Traditionally, we've always said employment is what drives office demand, which drives office absorption, which eventually drives new office development. And right now, um, I like to say right now we're partying like it's 1999. (laughs) Uh, What I mean by that is our jobs picture hasn't been this good since 1999. Um, 2014, we saw more jobs added in any other year since then. Um, unemployment is down to 5.6 percent. Uh, those are the preliminary numbers from December. You know, we're seeing big gains, especially in professional and business services, which is great for office demand because not all jobs are created equal. Um, so some office, uh, some some jobs have a high office usage component, like say your um, I don't know, your accountant or something like that, and some don't. Um, so we try to break out and look specifically at those office union jobs. Um, and can you give us some examples of, of some cities and, and how, how it really correlates as an example? Yeah, and it's interesting. And that idea that not all jobs are created equal when it comes to office usage really starts to show itself when you look at what we like to call the five under four, which are the five... Um, large metros right now that have um, unemployment under 4%. So the one that's doing the best right now is Minneapolis-St. Paul. Uh, Their unemployment rate is about 3% right now. But if you look at their office vacancy rate, um, our latest Excelligent numbers from Q4 show uh, 15.2%. Now, that's a strong market. It's got, uh, I think in Q4 alone, they had half a million square feet in office absorption. Um, but it's still a market that for that kind of low unemployment rate, you'd expect to see um, vacancy. If it was all office using jobs, you'd expect vacancy to be down as low as, say, 10, 9, 8 mm-hmm. percent. Another market that we're really interested in right now, um, Columbus, Ohio. I don't know how familiar you are with Columbus. It's a smaller market, but their unemployment rate is down to um, according to the latest numbers. And they're showing, um, and it's interesting with Columbus, they added, I think in the latest numbers, they added 1,100 jobs in what is the the super sector's professional and business services. That's the main category. And we, uh, when we're looking at the office market, we really like that category because that's the office using category. But in Columbus, the biggest gains um, in employment are the professional and 
or I'm sorry, are the trade, transportation, and utilities. That added a lot more jobs. That's stuff like retail, wholesale, warehousing, transportation. And don't get me wrong, at a macroeconomic level, we love all jobs. But when we're just talking about office space, those are sort of the non-office using jobs. So that market has, uh, according to our latest Excelsior numbers, 13.3% vacancy. Um, If those were all office using jobs, that vacancy rate would be a lot lower. Right. That's a good point. So it obviously helps, but it doesn't correlate exactly. And another thing I think it's on the minds of our listeners and, and viewers around the country is plummeting oil prices. You know, we're all seeing uh, gasoline prices come down. There's more money in consumers' pockets. How is that translating to the office market? Well, it's interesting. The, the, the places in the U.S. with the absolute lowest unemployment rate are some of the smaller metros, like uh, Midland, Texas, Fargo, North Dakota, and those markets have really low unemployment rates because of how well the energy market is doing. However, how does the energy market affect office markets, those bigger office markets that we care about? So Denver, Colorado, for example, um, their CBD, their Class A um, tenants in in their CBD are highly involved in the energy sector. Um, Oklahoma City, Houston, Dallas, all of these markets um, could face headwinds if the uh, energy sector goes down. And right now, that's sort of what we're seeing on the horizon. Um, I am not an energy expert, but some market observers say that if prices go, prices could go as low as $40 a barrel. Um, That means that a lot of um, highly leveraged uh, energy uh, companies uh, could be underwater. So that could be some major headwinds. Yeah, that makes sense. And I am an energy expert. I had an energy bar this morning. (laughs) Well, stay tuned. We'll take a quick break. We'll have more from James Cook, National Director of Analytics with Excelligent. And one thing that they do is talk to a lot of brokers around the country. Let's see what they think next. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by Realnex, providing a comprehensive suite of powerful commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low cost. Visit Realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today, we're talking about the U.S. office market. My guest is James Cook. He's with Excelligent. Excelligent does a great job of tracking the commercial real estate market throughout the country. And James, one of the things that you guys do, right, is you have a board where you talk to a lot of the leading brokers around the country every quarter. So what do brokers, what do we think uh, about what's going to happen in the office market? We actually have hundreds of boards that we we conduct every year. In every market that we're in, we have a board that meets quarterly for each property type. So we have one for office, one for industrial, one for retail. And every quarter, we're polling all of those top brokers in the market. Um, Probably the most interesting thing I like to do is we have a question where we just ask them, in your own words, just describe what the state of the market is. And um, right now, the most popular word uh, from office brokers that we've heard is the word steady. (laughs) So um, it is uh, actually steady and active are probably the two biggest words that we've heard. Now, if you look back a year ago, 
So um, if you go back to the first time we did the survey in Q3 of 2013, the most popular words were steady and slow. So we've gone from <laughs> slow to active. <laughs> well, that's great. So do brokers think that rents will increase and occupancy will increase uh, overall? Yeah. I mean, if you, th if you talk about the market overall, we ask everybody every quarter, what's your six-month office market outlook. And in the latest survey from the uh, end of the year, the majority, so that's um, almost 52%, said the market's going to be moving at a good pace for the next uh, six months. Um, brokers have always been an optimistic bunch, though, so you do have to take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah, we're optimistic by nature, right? Well, what about new construction? I think that's one of the things that's really helped the office market, right? There's really been a lack of new construction, but uh, we have seen construction levels ramp up. Where are construction levels and how might that impact the market moving forward? Yeah, if you're not looking at the hot U.S. markets where most of us uh, don't live, actually, um, construction's been really constrained. Um, and mainly that is due um, not to demand. The demand's definitely there. Vacancy rates have been going down. But the cost of construction has been going up. Um, and as it has risen, it's just making it, it's made it difficult um, to justify new construction. Owners, landlords, are going to have to some point, uh, new developers are going to have to bite the bullet and raise rents uh, in order to justify new construction. When we asked, um, when we surveyed our, our um, advisory boards and asked them, um, what have you seen? What are your expectations about new construction in the coming uh, six months? 40% um, of them said the only way that we're going to see new construction is if you've got a tenant in place. Um, now that we also do have a growing number of markets that are saying they are starting to see speculative construction, but again, when you're looking outside of the majors like New York and San Francisco or D.C., it's not it's not really there yet. Yeah, it's interesting with the the rise in construction cost. I uh, really have to have some healthy rents on a really healthy market to make it sense to go out and build spec, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. What about sales volume? It seems like uh, everyone's optimistic about the office market in, in most cities. Uh, where do you see sales volume these days? Yeah, um, when we asked our um, office advisory board members across the U.S., what have they seen in sales activity in the last six months, um, that number, 42.5% um, of them said sales activity is really starting to heat up. Um, now, the majority, 48%, said it's remained about the same, but those two numbers are reaching an inflection point, and they're going to be crossing soon. So we're definitely seeing office sales activity heating up across the U.S. Yeah, we are, too. In our shop, uh, we work uh, selling office properties in the southeast, and we're seeing a lot of activity. It's a good time to, to consider selling some properties in these markets, while I think while interest rates are, are really low. Well, I'm optimistic, right? I'm one of those brokers, but right. uh, you know, what are some things that could impact negatively the office market moving forward? Yeah, there are some headwinds out there beyond construction costs, beyond um, the falling um, – uh, the falling cost of, of a barrel of oil. Um, the two big headwinds that we're looking at, one, well, these guys probably are part of the same uh, overall trend, densification and the free agency of office workers. So more and more um, people who were once employed within a company are now working on their own 
when you go out and work on your own, a lot of times you work in your home office, so you don't need office space. Um, myself personally, I work for a company that's based out of another city, so often I work from home. Often I'm traveling, so I'm working out of an airport. Sometimes I'm in a rental car. Sometimes I work in a co-working space in the city where I live. Um, there's just going to be a lot of change and a lessening of demand um, for traditional office space. There's a there's a really popular estimate from a company called Intuit, which you've probably heard of, and they estimate that more than 40% of workers are going to be independent contractors, freelancers, what they call contingent workers by 2020. And 2020 is coming real fast. Yeah, it'll be here around the corner, right? Yeah. Well, you know, that's interesting because you do see a lot more people working from home. We certainly have the technology now to to be really mobile. And, and I think, the, you know, some other things that are impacting the office market are, are these open floor plans and, and companies using less uh, square footage per employee. But I'm wondering if some of that's, that's going to backfire and, uh, you know, and, and we might go back to some more walls being put up as, as, as th- some people have challenges with retention and uh, recruiting as the, you know, the, as the job market improves, some of these folks were put on benches may want private offices again. Well, James, thanks for joining us today. We sure appreciate your insight. It was great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, if you like more from Excelligent, visit their website. It's excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-N-T. We'll stay tuned. We'll have more on the office market. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show, where we always have fun, right? We're talking about the U.S. office market today. My next guest is Sean Williams. Sean is VP of the National Office Group with Bull Realty. Sean, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Sean, we've heard that the office market is improving. Uh, It's a little bit more of a landlord's market. You're out there every day leasing office space. So what do you see? Well, if we look at Atlanta for an example, um, since 2009 and 10, when the vacancy rates in Atlanta were about 18%, today they're about 14%. So the market has shifted and and sort of reached a point of equilibrium. So I think we've seen um, the landlord concessions reduced and it's a little bit more of a equilibrium for the tenants and the landlord. Right. And I guess there's still some deals to be had, and it depends on the strength of the tenant and the actual building. But to, to give us some ideas, I mean, sometimes the, the deals in the eye of the beholder, too. So uh, you used Atlanta as an example. What are your Class A rental rates there as compared to, to the country overall? Sure. Well, Atlanta, Class A average rate is about $24 a square foot, mm-hmm. um, and that's across all sub-markets. And you compare that to the national average of 29 average for Class A office, uh, Atlanta is a really good deal um, when you look at the bottom line cost for office expenses. Right. We're here in Studio One in Atlanta. Come see us, right? <laughs> well, let's talk about something that's near and dear to a, a landlord's heart in the office market, and that is finding more tenants, increasing their NOI in, the, in their buildings. What would be a tip that uh, you would leave our listeners with related for, to landlords about leasing space? Well, I would just uh, suggest that the landlord look at who they're using, the firm that they're using to represent their building. They want a proactive, aggressive firm 
It's going to go after the best tenants for their building and um, do a job, you know, the best job of following up with those prospects and, and um, you know, also making sure that their compensation for the brokers, both their representative and the tenant rep brokers, um, is a fair market um, compensation package for those deals. Right. That's a good point. I mean, you want to have a very proactive person on the landlord side. And sometimes I know when I'm uh, repping tenants, sometimes I'll see the, the landlord reps, uh, whether they're in-house or third party, be a little lackadaisical and, you know, maybe a compensation package or something where they're just more proactive. Well, what about a tip for tenants in the marketplace? Well, um, tenants, I think, um, they need to start looking at least a year before their lease is, is expiring. Most tenants, uh, or many tenants, I think, make the mistake of waiting too late in the term. They think, we've got time. What they do is they, they reduce their leverage in a deal by um, giving landlords the upper hand, and they also can reduce the uh, choices that they have for office space. So I just would suggest that they you know, start looking and, and actually engage a tenant broker to help them find the best office space. Right. So whatever city you're in, if you're, you're looking at the office market, obviously there's brokers who just represent tenants um, and they, they specialize in the office market and the guys like you that have incredible knowledge uh, in those markets. So, so tenants aren't getting as good a deals as they used to, right? So they really have to start a lot earlier because of that as well, right? There's yes. less opportunities. Yeah, start earlier and then make sure that you engage a professional to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that do this every day of their life for a living, um, they just have the experience to, to make sure that you're not overlooking something. And you, you just want to make sure that you leave yourself enough time to get the best deal. Yeah, well, that's well said. I think you want to have a good lawyer uh, who's experienced with office leases you want to have a good tenant rep let them work together uh, because they're going to have some things coming down the pike later years that you might not think of well sean thanks for joining us today we appreciate you being here in studio one and thanks for joining us out there on the 40 radio stations youtube and itunes and uh, be sure to join us next week we'll look at the retail industry and we'll look at retail real estate you know the retail market has been a changing environment the investment market is really heated up tenants are starting to move again uh, so you don't want to miss that and don't miss a show of special interest to you on any topic sign up for a once a week email announcing the show topic at commercial real estate show Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com. Realnex, a comprehensive and powerful suite of commercial real estate tools at an incredibly low price. Visit realnex.com. That's R-E-A-L-N-E-X. FIU, Florida International University. Earn your master's in real estate in as little as 10 months without interrupting your career. Visit FIUonline.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search, the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit CommercialSearch.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.